Well, welcome to the old downtown Harbor Church, everybody. Someone said to me on the way in, they go, you know, Adam, the coffee is really bad at this church. I said, yes, yes, it is, and we have no plans to change that because the guy who does the bad announcements here, John, that's his one job, basically, to make the coffee. And so, yes, it is very, very bad, and we apologize for that in advance. Anyway, no, welcome to downtown Harbor Church, everybody. If it's your first time here, we'd love, we're welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, if you see me limping around this stage, it's because yesterday at the gym was leg day. And so I don't know if I've told you this or if you've seen this, but my personal trainer is basically killing me. He told me my squats yesterday looked like an old man getting into a hot tub. And so that was an exciting thing. And so to make the story short, if you see me limping around a little bit, I am a little tender, but we are wrapping up this message series this week, this talk, conversation, whatever you want to call it, called Greatest Hits. And what we've been doing during Greatest Hits is we've been taking a look at some of the most famous passages in the entire scripture. Furthermore, we've said whether you have a lot of history with church or whether you have a little bit of history with church or whether you're brand new, more than likely at some level, you've heard these verses that we're talking about during this message series. But one of the things that we've done in this series is taken a look at the content text for these verses and how they can actually be applied to our daily life. Because we've been asking a question, right? We've been asking this question. If I am a follower of Jesus, right? If I am a follower of Jesus, what should I look like? What should day-to-day in my life look like? What should this thing that I'm doing through with my family and my job and my community, what should it look like as if I'm a follower of Jesus? And just so you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus and that's not something that you've chosen to do in your life yet, that's cool. We want you here anyway. You are welcome to be a part of this, okay? That's our strategy here at Downtown Harbor Church. But today's greatest hit is probably the most famous verse, dare I say it is the most famous verse in the entire scripture. And for, before we kind of put it up on the screen, I just want to ask you a question, right? Have you ever heard someone say something and you're like, what? Like, this, can, this cannot be. Like, I don't know. Like, this cannot be true, what you're telling me. I don't even understand, no matter how many times you try to sell me on this thing, and then it, like, turns out to be true. Like, it was one of those things, like, when you were a kid, and your mom said you couldn't go swimming for 30 minutes after you ate your food, and then you didn't listen, and you went swimming, and, like, your stomach hurt, and how could that be true, right? But it was true, okay? I remember looking at my mom when she would tell me that as a kid, just like this, to go, what are you talking about? You've seen this meme. If you're on any form of social media, you've seen that baby before. But why I wanted to say that was because what Jesus says in the context for the most famous verse of all time, when we look at the context for the verse, what Jesus said actually kind of made the guy that he said it to make this face. I would only imagine that his face looked probably pretty similar to that, to go, what's he talking? Jesus, what are you talking about? How can this be possible? Because today, if you have a scripture, you can go ahead and open it. Um, We are going to be in the book of John, chapter 3. The greatest hit for today is John 3.16. And as I've said, you've probably heard this verse before, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. But here's the truth about this is that most of us in this room have this even memorized if we've been around church for any length of time or grew up in the church probably. But what's this, where is this taking place? What's the context for this? Because see, one of the things that we want us to understand is to go, we just don't want to randomly put verses up there and go, hey, well, this is is what this means, right? We want to take a look at the context for what it was written because we want to understand it to the best of our ability. Because this greatest hit, this verse, John 3, 16, was actually in a conversation between Jesus and one of the religious leaders of the time, right? The religious leaders of the time, stay with me here because it's kind of detailed as we unpack this. 
the religious leaders of the time were called Pharisees, right? They were kind of like the ruling class over the people. They held the scrolls, right? They were in charge of the temples, these Pharisees, and they did not, right, like that Jesus showed up claiming to be that he was the Messiah to this broken world, the son of the ever-living and present God. But the Pharisees were not dumb guys, right? They were smart, right? The Pharisees were very, very smart. They had a, they had a lot of knowledge and a lot of information, right? A lot of them also were prideful. So the Pharisees, right, didn't want anything to do with Jesus because they thought that they had it all figured out. And then there was this one Pharisee who wanted to know a little more. And his name was Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees who was extremely smart and extremely knowledgeable. But there was something that was different about Nicodemus, right? There was something that was different about this man because what he did in the context of John 3.16, this verse, Nicodemus sought out Jesus and he wanted to know more about who Jesus was. And in this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, and by the way, like rarely do I ever say like the homework word at Downtown Harbor Church, but we're not going to put the entire John chapter 3 on the screen today. We're just going to kind of look at it sporadically, but you should go home and read it this week, this week, John chapter three. It's very inspirational about what's going on in there. Okay. But in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus gives, in my opinion, right, the clearest version of who he is to this man. Jesus gives the most accurate, clearest version of, Hey, this is what you have to do to know me. This is what you have to do to be made right with God, the father. Right? And in John chapter 3, we start to unpack this conversation. So in John chapter 3, verse 1, it starts out, it said, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Very important job. This guy was a big deal, right? And he came to Jesus. I love this. This is so cool. I came to Jesus when? At night. Because he couldn't be seen interacting with Jesus during the day. The Pharisees would not have had it. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus, in one moment, immediately changes his thinking. Jesus flips the lid on everything that he knows instantly, right? Because he says this, which is almost the thing that if I were Nicodemus, I would have been looking at Jesus going, what? What are you talking about? And we see that Nicodemus actually questions Jesus in this. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicod he, so here's this phrase, born again. And Nicodemus goes, how can someone be born again if they are old, when, when they are old? You go to the next slide for me, Christian. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I, I mean, he's going, we, we can't, they can't go back in. So what do you mean? when you say someone needs to be born again. And then Nicodemus continued. He goes, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. He goes, Jesus, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. How can this be? Someone's going to be born again? What does that mean? And Jesus replied, hey, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And, you, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. It goes on. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. Jesus is basically saying this. So key, don't miss this. If you believe that I am the Messiah, you are made right with God. If you believe that I am the Messiah, you are born again. You are a new creation. Nicodemus, I know that this is something that is so wild and wacky for you guys, but this Messiah that you've been waiting for is here. I'm him. Believe in me, and then you will have eternal life. But oh, as we go through these messages, a lot of the times we ask ourselves a lot of questions because I've been taught throughout my time in the local church about eternal life and what that means and that there's a place that you will go should you say yes to God called heaven this, and where you're going to live for in eternity, this next thing. But I started to think about this even more, right? Because in my studyings of the scripture, eternal life isn't really that clear. It's not really that clean. It's a little gray. And so I started to ask myself, what does that mean? What does this thing that Jesus is referring to called eternal life mean? Because a lot of us have heard different stories about what eternal life does mean. And so we want to be very clear, and I want to kind of give the disclaimer um, from what I'm about to say next. This is Downtown Harbor Church does not take stances. We build relationships. That's our, that's our motto, right? So this next part of the message is merely my opinion, right? This guy um, on the museum stage, right, with a microphone that they gave him, right? This is just my opinion about what eternal life means because I've done a lot of researching and a lot of unpacking this, okay? Here's something that I believe from the bottom of my heart. I believe this. I believe there is a next life. And I believe that should we say yes to Jesus, that we enter into a place where God is present with followers of his, and much like this life, if we have not said yes to Jesus, then we will not be with him in the next life. I do actually believe that. But I also believe something else about eternal life as well. I believe that eternal life can have a double meaning. I believe that not only can eternal life be in the next life, I believe that this life becomes Eternal two. Well, what do you mean? Adam, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, I've studied the scriptures, and I know that Jesus talked about the next life and being with him someday. But I also know this. I also know that he talked a lot about this life here and now and how to behave and what to do and how to interact with people in your community and your family and how to experience love, right? I believe this life becomes eternal too in the love you experience those feelings of overwhelming emotion that will never, ever leave you for eternity, right? In the people you encounter, those things, those most special people in our lives that God has placed there for a very specific reason, who we share love and joy with, and the places you go, the things that stay with you. But I don't put this on the screen just because. I believe that all of these things that we experience in this life, it's all because of Jesus, and when you say yes to Jesus for the first time, when you say yes to Jesus, you have to understand something. Your life transforms from the inside out and everything is different. And this idea of God's spirit then comes into your life. And it's unbelievable, right? And I believe this because I said yes to Jesus at a very young age. In fact, I probably did a lot of times because people told me I needed to pray that prayer a lot over and over again or else you're going to be in big trouble, right? And so I said yes to Jesus at a very young age and then started to get to know who he was and who God was throughout my teenage years and my adult life. And here's something that I know, right? When you say yes to Jesus, your life will be better. And when you say yes to Jesus, you will be better at life. That's something that I know and I believe from personal, firsthand 
experience. That when you say yes to Jesus, your life will be better. And when you say yes to Jesus, you will be better at life if you listen to what he said and how he told us to live. And it's all rooted in one thing. It's rooted in the thing that people come up to me and say, hey, you know, we talk about this word a lot around downtown Harbor Church. I said, yeah, we do, because we want to be careful never to minimize what Jesus maximized. It's always, always rooted in love. And I've looked around at a lot of Christians that I know, a lot of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, and love, not necessarily a characteristic that I put on their list. And that's why we got to get it right here at downtown Harbor Church. But then I started to ask myself another question. I said, okay, if we listen to the story of Jesus and Nicodemus and we look at their interactions together, here's a question I begin to ask. So he says it, why believe him? Why, why don't we just look at Jesus like he's a nut job, like that baby meme that I put on the screen going, why believe this guy? I mean, why would we even take him seriously? Because I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of crazy people in Fort Lauderdale claiming to be a lot of crazy things, okay? And so like, what, 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 there's a lot of nut jobs out there, right? Why believe this guy? Two things. I want to make my point. And I totally believe from the bottom of my heart that these two things are 100% true, and it is why I, in my life, consistently, over and over again, say yes to Jesus and will never, ever not be a follower of his. Number one, this is why I believe him. There are, were, historical accounts of the miracles he performed. History, okay, of the miracles that he performed historical accounts of this guy, this radical Messiah of a broken world performing and doing miraculous things. The first one that he did, right? Turn water into wine, which is very popular amongst this crowd, okay? okay that, so we, we have to understand this, okay? So Jesus did this. He performed miracles, turned water into wine. He raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000, right? He did things that no one had ever seen before, and there were eyewitnesses to them. People were going, I don't know why that's happening. Jesus goes, because I'm the Messiah. Believe in me. You'll be made right with God. It doesn't have to be this prayer, even though it can be in a prayer. It doesn't have to be a come down to the front moment, even though it can be. It's just a moment in your life where you go, yes, I believe. If miracles weren't enough, the most miraculous thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity Jesus called his disciples together, and he said, boys, um, I just want you to know, and they weren't happy about it either, because they didn't understand everything like we don't even understand everything today. But he goes, I just want you to know, they're going to kill me. They're going to take me, and I'm going to die. Don't worry. I'm coming back. And then, if I was one of them, I probably would have gone, all right, I've been around this guy for a long time. I've seen the miracles he's performed, but this bro ain't coming back. Like, I mean, I, 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 he, he gone, right? He's dead, okay? But Jesus is the only human being to ever walk the face of the earth, confirming that he is the Messiah, confirming that he is God because he successfully predicted his own death and resurrection. The guy, the guy said, they're going to kill me, and I'm coming back. And I was like, okay, I'm with him. Like, if that's, if, if that's going to happen, okay, and there are, this is historically documented, and I'm with him, right? That's my guy, I, because I don't know what else to do, right? Because, I mean, I, people try all kinds of stuff. People search for the answers in the direct wrong place. I'm with him. So, at Downtown Harbor Church, every single Sunday, you're going to see a word on a screen, which is important for us to understand. Because part of our strategy here at DHC 
was that we would actually speak from the stage on Sunday, and you would know exactly what to do in your life on Monday, okay? Because I've been to a lot of places and heard a lot of people up here with microphones, and I've left a lot of times in my life going, what in the world was that guy talking about, okay, or gal talking about? So we're very big on putting this word up on the screen. What's the practical application? What's the practical application for your life as we hear this today? And it's just this. It's one simple thing. And for some of you, this is going to be your first moment who are in this room, where you actually just cross a line of faith. For some of you, you're going to be here already, and that's awesome. And for some of you, you've maybe fallen away. You may be disengaged with church. You have maybe disengaged with God. But there's only one practical that I'm going to put up here today. And I think it's so important for each one of us to understand. It's this. It's to believe. It's to make the decision finally in your life, if you haven't done it yet, to kind of hit the reset button, to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, and then to pivot. And some of you have sat in churches like this, and you've heard messages like this your entire life. For some of you, the first time you're hearing it is today. But I want you to know something. I truly believe this. It's when I chose to do this, it was the very, very, very best decision that I ever made in my entire life. Saying yes to Jesus and allowing him to permeate your life and heart for the very first time will change you from the inside out. Your life will be changed. If you hear nothing else today, you hear nothing else I, I say, just know this. We all have our own struggles in this room. We all have our own struggles right where we're at. And what I love about struggles and the things that you deal with is that person sitting next to you, their struggles are different than what you struggle with. But I truly believe that those of us who have struggled in ways, we might not be here if we hadn't said yes to Jesus. Because some of us have gotten so low. Some of us has got, have gotten so weak. And Jesus was the core that changed our life from the inside out. And if you've yet to experience that, I'm just telling you, and you may not listen to me, and that's fine. You can tell the guy at the, you can take, you know, listen, don't listen to what I say and take a hike, fine. But I'm just a living breathing example of a changed life. My life would never be the same had Jesus not entered my life and heart. And I'll tell you this, July 2nd, right over here, some of you were in this room, but if you weren't, I'll tell you this, we had our first baptism service. Right over there, we opened up those doors, there was a big pool out there, talk about a powerful day, dare I say the most powerful day I've ever had in the history of my time serving in church. And you know what I got to see right in front of my face? changed life. I saw people who've said yes to changing their life. They're not getting everything right yet. Neither am I, right? We're all on a journey together. But I, they said yes to Jesus into their heart, and their life, their life was changed. And then they were made right with the creator of the universe. This greatest hit, John 3, 16, where Jesus, in a conversation with a Pharisee, a guy by the name of Nicodemus, laid it out so clear. He laid it out so simple and practical. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe, and I will enter your heart and life, and you have no idea what's coming next for you. Because this is the one thing that I believe. I believe there's one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And the reason I believe this, because the miracles he performed were unlike anything else. He predicted my own, or he predicted his own death and resurrection successfully. And then, the other reason I believe this is because I'm a living, walking, breathing example of a changed life. That's why you should do it. That's why everything will be different. 
And here's the other thing that I just want you to know. This is something we're big on at Downtown Harbor Church. When you say yes to following after Jesus and invite him into your life, you don't have to become a weirdo, okay? It's, it's so big for us to understand because so often, like, everything in your life has to go and change. And I'm not saying you shouldn't work on your issues and God's not going to convict your life. But we're, we're normal, practical people walking through life together in South Florida. You can do that. We had an amazing time at DHC Nights the other night. And do you know what? Someone came by to me, and it happens every time we go out. Someone came by me, and they go, you guys are a really big party. I said, yeah. And they go, how do you all know each other? I said, well, actually, um, we all go to the same church. And they go, this is a church? I was like, yep, that's us. And they're like, that's somewhere I could go. I was like, well, come on, come by. And that's what's key. That's what's important. But at the core of everything we do, at the core of our being who we are, it's this. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And in a second, I'm going to pray. And maybe today is your day. Maybe it's the first time where you just open your heart for the first time. It's a simple moment. And you go, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my heart and life for the first time because I want to be a changed person. Maybe you're not there yet. That's fine, too. This is difficult stuff to process and think about. And maybe you've just fallen away. And maybe you're to the point where you're very, very low. And you're struggling. And maybe you haven't engaged with church in a while. Or maybe you haven't come to the point where you're ready for that. I don't know where you're at, but I know that God does. And so right now I'm going to pray. We're going to sing the end. I'll come back out and wrap us up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you that you proved to be the risen Messiah in the most famous, greatest hit, the most famous verse, the most famous passage in the entire scripture. And I pray that there, if there's anybody in this room who'd never has said yes to you before, that this would be their moment to just say, God, come into my heart and life. I believe that you are who you said that you are. I want you to be a part of my life. Change me from the inside out. And God, I pray that if there's anybody who's distant or struggling in this room, that they would just say this in their heart alongside me. God, I'm struggling and I need you. I'm struggling and I need you to enter my life again. I need to re-engage with the local church and be a part of what's going on and to engage with the others around me. And I want to follow after you, Jesus. And then, God, we'll just be so quick to give you all the glory because we know that you hear and answer those prayers. God, help us to continue to grow together at Downtown Harbor Church. Guide us, be with us as we seek after you in all that we do. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.